Welcome to the St. James Parish Podcast. Enjoy sermons, lectures, and special presentations from St. James Episcopal Parish in Wilmington, North Carolina. Curious about what else St. James has to offer? Visit our website linked in the show notes to learn more. There are some words that are just harder to say than others. Words that take a little extra thought and effort to say, some that maybe we just struggle to say at all. I'm sure you can think of a few right now. At 8 o'clock, that word was Nineveh, but Marietta, you got it just right. But I, I don't actually mean words that we struggle to pronounce or tongue twister phrases that so easily trip us up. I mean those words or phrases that, regardless of the language, are hard for us to say because of what it means to say them. Phrases such as, thank you, I love you. A personal favorite, I don't know. That one is really hard to do, and I know it. One of, uh, I think, that most of us would agree, though, is hard to say, is, I'm sorry. But I wonder if even harder are the words that sometimes come next. I forgive you. That is tough stuff. And in my personal experience, forgiveness is one of the most difficult, if not most confusing and counterintuitive uh, facets of Christian living, and often one of the hardest attributes to accept about God. And it's why I think I and, and you and all of us can relate so well to Jonah one of the shortest, if not most entertaining and fantastical books of the Bible, and one we only get to hear portions from just twice in our three-year lectionary cycle. So, if you will, pretend to open your Bible with me as we dive into some Bible 101. In today's verses from Jonah, we hear the word of the Lord came upon the prophet Jonah and called him to prophesy to the people of Nineveh that their destruction was at hand. But what we hear today is not the first time that God asked this of Jonah. No, the first time God called on Jonah just the same. As we hear in the popular narrative that follows, Jonah, though, first runs away from the Lord. He finds a ship heading towards Tarshish, which is somewhere far from Nineveh, thinking he could flee from God and what God was calling him to do. But things did not go as Jonah had planned. A great, terrible, and dangerous storm came upon the ship, and he was thrown overboard. And a great big fish came and swallowed Jonah. After three days and nights within this big fish, Jonah cried out to God for deliverance. And just like that, the fish vomited Jonah out onto the dry land. 
So the Lord then called on Jonah a second time, where we meet Jonah today, to go to proclaim to Nineveh that it shall be overthrown. And Jonah reluctantly went as God had called him. Some of us may hear this story and, you know, want to give Jonah some credit. God was calling on him to go and proclaim such a terrible thing unto Nineveh. And so instead he was fleeing from this responsibility because he just couldn't couldn't simply bear to do what God was asking. But with a little context, we realize that it was just the opposite. A prophet's role then is just as it is now, to warn others of a great disaster to come. Not with the intent to pronounce doom, but with the intent to incite change. They are like a big flashing light warning you to change course. So when God called on Jonah to proclaim that destruction would come to Nineveh, Jonah fled from God because Nineveh? Nineveh? No way did he want to help them. Just the opposite. He wanted them to suffer. Reluctantly, Jonah went and proclaimed that destruction would befall Nineveh, and much to his chagrin, the Ninevites did exactly what he hoped they would not. They turned from their evil ways, and God forgave them. Jonah was so angry that he would have rather died than live and see Nineveh forgiven. And then we get to my favorite part. Jonah watched on, hoping still something bad might happen to to Nineveh, hoping that it might still fall. And so while he sits, the Lord makes a bush to shade him and provide him some comfort. Until the Lord sent a worm to destroy it. So angry was Jonah that the bush was gone that again he wanted to die. So dramatic, so great. And then God delivered the final blow. You are concerned about the bush for which you did not labor and which you did not grow. It came into being in a night and perished in a night. And should I not be concerned about Nineveh, that great city in which there are more than 120,000 persons who do not know their right hand from their left and also many animals? I bet we can all relate to Jonah, can't we? I know that I can relate to the notion that God is always on my side and never on the side of the other. I can relate to believing that God's love is limited to those that I love. I can relate to thinking that God couldn't possibly forgive the people that I struggle to forgive. I can relate to refusing to help those who I don't think deserve it. And I can certainly relate to struggling 
with the words, I'm sorry, but also of saying, I forgive you. And maybe you can too. There's a saying that goes, holding a grudge is like drinking poison and expecting the other person to die. I love that saying. It's a great, great saying. But with the caveat that when it comes to a real relationship between two people, holding a grudge or withholding forgiveness is harmful to both sides and just as harmful as refusing to say, I'm sorry. Both are an impediment to right relationship. Just imagine, if you will, if God held a grudge against us whenever we were at fault. Well, in our gospel today, we hear Jesus proclaims the most important news to the people of Galilee. What he could have said was, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Sorry, it's too late for you. That would be what we deserve. But instead, what Jesus says is the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. That in and of itself is good news. That forgiveness is possible for all of us, even though it is deserved by none of us. When it comes to our own lives, it's of course easier said than done. All of us have Jonah within. So as you sit here today and as you leave here later, consider who are your Ninevehs? Who are the people that you hope that God will condemn? Who are the people that you want to see punished rather than saved? The people you and I are so convinced that God is against. The people that are on that other side. Perhaps it's your neighbor who's literally on the other side of the street. Or maybe it's an old friend or loved one who betrayed you or whom you had a falling out with. Maybe it's the people in that other political party or the people of that other culture or tradition or religion. How, we may ask, are we supposed to love them? How can we genuinely bring ourselves to ever forgive them? How can God love them in spite of their hate when they seem to do everything that God hates? Should they not pay for what they've done? Are there simply no consequences? It is in questions such as these that I think many of us can struggle with forgiveness. But forgiveness is not simply excusing wrongs or excluding consequences. And there is a difference between consequence and vengeance. 
Consequence can be a means of accountability and justice. Vengeance is always an act of retribution or punishment. We often want to believe that God is empathetic to our lust for vengeance. And God is sympathetic, as he was to Jonah, because God knows and understands our pain, our impulses, our shortcomings. But God is not empathetic, because God is not a God of retribution. God is on the side of restorative justice and reconciliation, of repentance and forgiveness, of love and true relationship. Not on the side of hate, of strict punishment or retribution, of tribalism or demonization of any kind. So yes, God has taken a side but not a side that is against anyone, but for everyone. And because of that, we, any of us, anywhere, can all say confidently that God is on our side, even when we fall down and fall short, even when we turn completely away from what God intends, whether we're Nineveh or Jonah, because God is rooting for us all. To be on the side of justice and reconciliation means believing that nobody is beyond repentance and forgiveness, even if the road to get there is long and hard and paved with consequences. Not even the people of Nineveh, not even the Ninevehs of our own day, not even you or me or anyone, no matter how far we think they are beyond redemption. Of all the hardest things to say, to actually say, I'm sorry, or in reply, I forgive you, may for many of us be the hardest. And yet, we still pray those words that Jesus taught us, as we will pray in a few minutes. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Or in contemporary wording, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Jesus never said it would be easy. Forgiveness may be one of the hardest most counterintuitive aspects of our Christian life. But amazingly, it is also one of God's greatest gifts because it's a gift offered for you, for me, and yes, even Nineveh, whoever your Nineveh might be. Amen.